Hello, and welcome to Brutal History. We all have old stories from our towns we grew up in, some of them more memorable than others, and most with happy endings. My town, on the other hand, has a story dating back almost 350 years, a story not a lot of people talk about, a story full of betrayal, blood, and dismemberment. Welcome to episode one, The Kachiko Massacre. Sixteen seventy six, Massachusetts. Blood was being shed amongst native tribes and English settlers, and to avoid further bloodshed and enslavement, these natives decided to move north to New Hampshire, more specifically, the Kachiko settlement in Dover. By fall there had been over four hundred natives all living in the area, half being ones who were already settled there, the Penacooks, and the other half being ones who fled for their safety. Eventually, the Massachusetts soldiers made their way into the Kachiko settlement with intent to take back all the natives who fled. Major Waldron, who had been deemed fit to be in charge of the entire settlement, agreed with the Massachusetts soldiers, being that all natives who fled to the Kachiko settlement were returned south and be punished, and that his natives would be unharmed and remain in the area. As a twisted suggestion, Waldron came up with the idea for a sham battle, which involved 200 Massachusetts natives. During this event, the two native tribes were separated by militia to be brought back south. During the process, many of them were hanged or sold into slavery. This was the spark that eventually led to an ever-growing hatred of Major Waldron. Sixteen eighty four. Now years after the incident, the Kachiko natives lost their peaceful chief, and he was replaced by a more warlike man named Kangamangus, who had built up an extreme hatred for English settlers and how they treated his people. Over time the chief's hatred spread to his followers like an infectious disease. They were now all just as angry as him. At this time, Waldron made it impossible for natives to travel east of the Merrimack without written permission from himself. He was also seizing their land and blocking off trade. As justification, Waldron gave each family payments of a peck of corn annually. Obviously, not a good trade. 1680. As tension grew, the settlers began building fortified homes in their villages. The purpose of these homes, or garrisons, were to provide a safe hiding space in case of a native rebellion. Each home contained hiding places for firearms and a second story to provide extra security. The second story also had movable floorboards to allow the pouring of boiling water from above onto an attacker. Each night the settlers would take refuge in their fortified homes while Waldron laughed at them. He was not scared of native rebellion. He actually mentioned that he was able to create a militia to destroy the natives with one lift of his finger. Waldron never backed down, even when local, loyal natives warned him of an impending doom that was lurking in the woods. 1680. June 7th, 1684. 
During peacetime, it was common for native women to seek shelter in the garrisons, and during this time, they were shown how to open and close the fortified gates. Early, on that warm summer morning, native women quietly made their way to the gates. They opened them, and in rushed hundreds of revenge-seeking Penacook natives. The natives quickly made their way into Waldron's garrison, and though he attempted to defend himself, the 74-year-old man was no match to the powerful Penacook tribesmen. They each slashed him across the chest with his own sword, hacked off his nose and his ears, and then shoved them into his pleading mouth. The final act was to make him stand and force him to fall onto his own sword, slowly ending his life. Once Waldron had expired, the natives cut off his hand that had cheated them. And once finished with Waldron, the natives planned to burn his house and capture or murder the rest of his family. Amongst the carnage, Richard Otis, his daughter, and his son were all killed, and his home was burned to the ground. His wife and three-month-old daughter were able to escape. Five or six more homes were burned to the ground. Over 23 people were brutally killed, and at least 29 were taken captive. As the sun came up over the river, a young tribesman spotted a frightened Elizabeth Hurd hiding behind a bush. The tribesman raised his rifle and aimed it at her head. But before he fired, he slowly opened his left eye, stared at her for a moment, and then vanished back into the woods. It turns out, Mrs. Hurd saved this young man's life during the sham battle of 1676, and he never forgot her face. Mrs. Hurd was of the few who survived, along with her entire family, whose home was still intact. Once the Penacook had taken Dover, military aid from Massachusetts arrived, but no further bloodshed ensued. It seemed the terror was finally over. It took many years for Dover to recover from this massacre. Overall, this event wiped out 25% of the settler population and crushed the already withering economy. But by the early 1700s, Dover was able to get back on their feet and no longer received any attacks by the local tribes. Unfortunately, the surrounding towns were not so lucky, but I'll save that for later. Between the pages of history lie the dark, true tales of bloodshed, betrayal, and mystery. And although it's behind us, it still remains brutal. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time on Brutal History. Information regarding this topic was collected at the Dover Public Library in Dover, New Hampshire.